Hello and welcome to LiveWire's Outlook series for 2024. I'm Ali Selby. And I'm James Marley. And we all make mistakes, particularly when it comes to investing. So in this video, you'll be learning about the biggest mistakes made by 12 of the country's finest investment minds and what they learned from it. What did you get wrong in 2023 and what did you learn from it? Yeah, I think the only fair way to answer that is to just look at the stock that was the biggest attractor for the fund over the year, and that was undoubtedly Tabcorp. Now, we like demergers, and part of that demerger was very successful in the Lottery Corporation. That did very well, and we sold out of that after they had a string of luck on jackpots. Unfortunately, in our infinite wisdom, we recycled the capital back into the wagering business. Now, I could show you any number of charts about how resilient wagering revenue is in a downturn, but this year has proved the exception and we've really got that wrong uh, as consumers have put away their wallets. That said, I think the main takeaway from it is just how difficult it can be to execute a, a turnaround. I'm not willing to give up on it quite yet, certainly not at the current valuation. The stock's gone from a dollar to 69 cents. But you know, it's just another lesson that when you're investing in a turnaround, you really need a lot of luck and a lot of everything to go right, you know, because these businesses, they are challenged and it can be very difficult. Yeah, we had a few difficult stocks. I wouldn't say they were terrible, but they cost us some money and they tended to be where the downstream uh, distribution was more retail, not really terminal commodity markets. So things like renewable diesel and agricultural chemicals. Some of those markets choked up and didn't get the supply out. So that, that was bad for those companies. Yeah. Where do I start? Like how, long, how long have you got? <laughs> uh, look, lots, we got lots wrong this year. It's been a very difficult year as an investor for 2023. The one thing I'd call out, which I'd call an unforced error, the old tennis term, uh, was we sold our consumer discretionary stocks too early, which in hindsight was a consensus trade and we hate being consensus. And so the lesson from that was you always want to go against the pack. Selling out of companies like Super Retail too early was a mistake, but we've certainly learned from that and we'll continue to try to go against consensus going forward. The most important thing I learned in 2023 is the importance of the concentration in the top part of the global benchmarks. So the number one decision portfolio managers could have made was to own all of the MAG7 in the first half. That would have generated huge amounts of, of alpha. Um, and we owned three or four of the MAG7, but the ones that we didn't own, um, you know, those cost us from an alpha perspective. So looking forward, I think the positive thing is that while well, last year the decision was to own the MAG7 or not own the Magnificent 7, I think this year it's going to be really important to stock pick within the Magnificent Seven. So Microsoft and Google are the two largest positions in our fund, and we think those are the winners within the Mag Seven. I think the big mistake was around the SVB banking crisis. So um, I probably positioned the portfolio a little bit more uh, defensive than was warranted. And again, um, it was really a function of liquidity. So what happened post SVB and the, a few banking collapses was the Fed came in with a, like a, effectively a repo window, allowing swapping out of collateral at full face value and that was a liquidity push. And also running down the TGA account uh, at the Treasury uh, was another liquidity injection. So everyone was focused on QT, but those other factors offset that liquidity and we were actually in a, a bullish environment for assets. So probably read the economic uh, situation a little bit wrong, uh, should have been looking at liquidity. A bigger cheese is a high conviction position for us, but didn't do quite so well for us in, in 2023. What we like about Bega is it's transforming itself into a branded uh, food business. So you think about the likes of uh, Yoplait, Dairy Farmers, uh, Farmers Union, 
Dare Ice Coffee. These are very key brands that resonate with consumers and that part of the business is performing really well. But the commodity side of the business, so Farmgate milk price a little bit too high for the year, uh, global commodity prices coming off at the same time, it wasn't a great combination. So the earnings weren't quite what we thought they would be for the year. But we still like the thesis. We think it's still very strong. It's evolving into that branded food business, which we like. But we've always got to understand what the, what the, the potential threats are to your, to your investment thesis and, that, and that's a, a good example for us in 2023. I think with the aggressive um, hike in interest rates, there were obviously some in unintended consequences of that. Um, I think in terms of our key learnings, I think the portfolio stood well um, up against this and, you know, our risk management practices, you know, held up very well. But, you know, we still have very strong conviction in, in some of those names, given, you know, secular growth drivers underpinning those. And hence, you know, we've continued to sort of hold those names. And we think, you know, they'll perform fairly well in, in a market recovery. I mean, it's worked out well for us, but I wouldn't call it a mistake. But what we definitely didn't see was, was AI, how, how big AI would, would be. Um, you know, the kind of murmuring started with ChatGBT and then, you know, just how big that was through the year. You know, I wouldn't say it was wrong, but certainly we didn't anticipate that. And our tech shares have done really nicely out of that, but it wasn't why we bought them in the first place. So it was a very um, pleasant surprise, I think, coming into, coming into this year. We, we just didn't see that, that being so big. Yeah, I think what I got wrong, I've been on the public record of saying a bottom was in in October, November period 2022. What happened, we did have a rally, that was quite good, but July through October, we had US bond yields really surge higher, bonds were sold off. It was all around US growth was a lot stronger. Yeah. I misread that. We were too long going into that. We, we scrambled, we did okay, but it kind of, you know, what looked good at the halfway point through the calendar year, probably a bit of shine taken off it. So definitely got that wrong. We're back on track now, bond yields have come back down. Look, we start talking about you know, downturn in Chinese residential property back in 2019, and that started to play out. Because of that, we thought the iron ore price would be you know, much closer to cost support, 80 odd dollars. And as you know, it's 135, so got that completely wrong. Fortunately, we don't buy themes, so we buy stocks. So we actually have a big position in Rio, which we like despite the fact that we thought iron ore prices were going to be lower. And in terms of lessons, look, our first one is obviously you can't forecast commodity prices. Nobody can. But the second one is probably, you know, when, when the Chinese are your customers and your competitors are the Brazilians, you end up doing well a lot of the time. There are certainly some stocks we should have bought and some stocks we shouldn't have, should have sold, that's for sure. Probably the biggest mistake we made was on next education. So we got the beneficiary of the borders opening, the students coming back. But some of those changes in the visas really caught us off guard. And I think just... Being aware of those short-term moves and the fact that some big regulatory shifts can occur against common sense, as, as we would think, that was probably the big lesson for us over the course of 23. So I think in 2023, it was the US macro. I think we really expected it to be you know, slow, slower than uh, what, what actually proved to play out. And I think you know, we really saw that wealthy cohort of households, that 30% of households that make up 50% of spending really just benefit from this higher rate scenario. And what we saw was sort of it kind of blunted the tools of the Federal Reserve. You know, they're putting rates up and it's really not getting that traction that it used to have in the past. And that's something we've learned is that wealth disparities actually made the job so much harder. And on top of that, you had the US fiscal deficit being among the highest in history also, you know, actively, you know, offsetting what the Fed's trying to do. And I think that was something that, you know, surprised us and it was something that you know, really made the outcome turn out, you know, differently to what we probably expected at the start of the year.